We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. going on Knicks fans welcome to another episode of cap rules everything around me cream get the money dollar dollar bills y'all I am Jeremy Cohen we are 20 hours or so away from the NBA trade deadline very exciting now it's been a crazy day you know I thought for sure that with Shams scooping Woj that Woj hired someone to take down Twitter and then it was the only one who was able to tweet and that's how he was able to beat Shams. So kudos to Woj for that. Uh, usually start with one big thing. This one's not going to be a huge one. I really want to hear mostly from you all today. Um, and my one small big thing is really just um, tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of chaos. It's going to be a lot of stress. And I think the one thing to remember, just breathe, right? I think the one thing that we saw, especially with the past... Um, draft, right? The 2022 draft when the Knicks are flying all around the board, there's uncertainty with what picks are coming to New York, what's going out, who's being drafted. They're now picking 13th. Okay. They've taken Jalen Duran and now they have, but what, what, what the heck is going on? We have to remember that if there is a move, it could be the leg of another larger move in place. So the nice thing about all of the trades being done on the deadline, if there are any that occur, is we don't have a lag time, right? Like for me, Cam Reddish, the trade looks a lot different if the Knicks acquire him closer to the deadline than three weeks earlier and then don't get him into the rotation. Um, and granted, of course, the Knicks tried to flip Cam Reddish. So it's it's hilarious. You just got to go in with it with an open mind to an extent, of course, obviously, which so not a wide open mind, but an open enough mind there. and. We'll see what happens. We'll see how this team is at the end of the deadline. It's just sports. It's a lot of fun. It can also be stressful. And I'm excited to be here for the journey with you all and John and Andrew tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That'll be our trade deadline live stream. Get the last hour of the deadline and then the first hour afterwards with complete reactions and go from there. So, you know, 
without further ado, if we have questions, I'm more than happy to answer questions as we go forward. Comments, feedback, whatever it is. Let's get to it. All right. First one. Thank you so much. Jay Zaluccio. Hey, Jeremy, what would a deal for Sadiq Bay look like? Appreciate all your hard work. Thank you very much. A trade for Sadiq Bay, salary-wise, you probably can't get there really with Cam Reddish. So you'd have to get Detroit to add more. You know, it depends on the salary that, that goes out. I, I don't have the the trade fanspo in front of me right now, but I would imagine salary-wise, theoretically, you could probably do like Diallo and Bay for Reddish just in terms of matching salary. I don't really know what the Pistons think they'll get out of Bay. It's not going to be a first round pick. Um, I don't know how many second round picks it might be. Honestly, not sure. I, I don't think it would cost too much in terms of how to get him. It's a matter of how the Knicks could go about it. Another potential way is that if the Knicks made another trade and then they traded out more salary than they got coming back, that created a traded player exception. And if it were large enough to fit base salary, where base salary could fit right into it, perfect. Then you don't have to worry about what salary is outgoing. Um, and otherwise, it's a little bit, it's not tricky, but you know, for a lot of these deals where the Knicks are maybe like two, three million dollars away, that's a Quentin Grimes or an Emmanuel Quickly away. And they're not going to do that um, unless it's for a big time player. And um, I don't see a big time player coming becoming available and of interest to the Knicks that would require either of those players going out. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely possible to get them. There's some different avenues in terms of how they can do it, but it, it depends on like who the expendable players are that they'd be interested in moving. There are probably some other pieces that, uh, you know, Detroit could move to. They can't move Alec Burks. They can't move Nerlens Noel to the Knicks. So not, not a ton of other players, but it's possible. It's definitely possible. So thank you for the question. JG, question. Is Josh Hart a shooting guard or a small forward? Whose minutes is he taking? Listen, I mean, he's just... He's a good wing, right? Like, I I think he's classified as a wing. If he's not, he's he's not a combo guard. I think he plays as a wing. Um, In terms of minutes that he's taking, I mean, I see him as someone where you could theoretically play him off the bench. I think you could also bump him from the starting lineup, moving Grimes down. The thing that I'm curious about with Grimes is how he fits into the fold with everything going on, right? So Ian Begley reported, this is about OG Ananobi, where he he said that the Knicks are concerned about OG Ananobi's player option for the 2024-25 season, right? He can opt out that year. He can sign a new contract. He's at risk of leaving and the Knicks would feel like, hey, we've traded for a year and a quarter of OG Ananobi and he's gone. Like, we don't want to pay for someone that we think is a flight risk. And I think that's accurate, right? The Knicks have every right to feel that way. Everything that's coming out right now, and this is nothing about who's reporting or what, it's more just in general, what's Anything you see that's reported and it's reported by someone credible, there's a reason that that is out there, right? People don't just like release that information for no reason. And if you think about it, that's the type of news that wouldn't benefit the Raptors because that hurts their package. And it wouldn't benefit OG Ananobi because he's seen as a flight risk. So to me, it seems like something that the Knicks 
would feel like that's something that could benefit them by having this report out there. Not questioning who the sources are, but it just that's the type of thing that if you're the Knicks, you kind of would want out there to put public pressure and and say he's like, well, if he's willing to leave New York, is he willing to leave other places and blah, blah, blah. The reason I bring up OG is because he's got a player option in 2024. Josh Hart has a player option in 2023. So let's say the Knicks are actually feeling this way where they feel OG is a flight risk. They're probably feeling the same way about Josh Hart. Like Josh Hart is in this weird gray area where I could see him taking the player option and then testing the market in 2024. I could see him opting out because the mid-level exception is really not that much less than what his player option of $12.96 million is. So if you're Josh Hart, you could just wait. Or you could opt out, get more guaranteed money right now. And then you figure it out two to three years from now. So that's why I'm so curious about how Josh Hart fits into all of this. But long-winded way, JG, I I see him just as a wing who rebounds really well. Great on the glass. Really strong defender. Not a great shooter. Especially this year, I saw you know 30% from three. Outside shooting is questionable. Um, It's a little puzzling. The you know the interest the fit money wise too how it would work you know you send Cam out but then there's still the gap in money you can make it work with Obi but then you know like what's Portland sending back because Hart is a flight risk and you have the rights to you bird rights to both Top and and Reddish if you are the Blazers um, you know you could find a way to make it be like I don't know Hart and then one of the like minimum guys or so to speak, one of those players. And you could send out Cam and Rose. Financially, that works. At least it should work. Um, but I don't think the Knicks do that, just based on the fact that it seems like they want to do right by Rose. And uh, it's really more if it gets them in the right direction. But also, again, it's like, okay, if they traded for Josh Hart in that type of package where they need other salaries to kind of make the math work, it's really fascinating because then they can't aggregate him if they wanted to. They'd have to keep him and then hope that he either opts in or hits a free agent market and they re-sign him. Which for the Knicks, they're not the type of team that takes that type of risk. It just seems a little uncharacteristic based on what we know. But they could trade for him. They could keep him. They could trade for him. They could flip him right away and there'd be that gap in between the time of, oh, they acquired him and oh, he's gone. Where it's just like, what? the hell just happened so um and and yeah in terms of minutes he's taking it's i mean it's probably i would imagine deuce sees a slight decrease in minutes if he's not still in the rotation at all because if you're adding heart and you're taking out a player who's not in the rotation then you're at 10 and i don't know if Tibbs wants to go back to 10 he might be comfortable with nine so probably a little bit of deuce would make sense considering the defense the offensive production that he has has been better than what Deuce has provided this year. So yeah, really curious to see how he would fit into things both on the team financially and moving forward contractually. So thank you for that. Dirty answer. Are we too close to luxury tax to continuous soup? Derek Rose. It's a great question. I would say next year, you're probably too close um, for the 2023-24 season. But a lot of that also depends on what are you turning Cam into, right? If you're turning Cam Reddish into expiring salary, you're closer. Can you find a way to maybe move Evan Fournier's expiring salary for another expiring salary that's a little less financially, right? Like 
again, just spitballing, not saying I'd want this, but if it's like Evan Fournier for Doug McDermott and the Knicks throw in cash, then their cap hit is lower and they're still giving San Antonio the same amount of money that they would need to pay Evan Fournier, but they get away with tax issues more likely. So the way I see it, if they can find the right deal for Derek Rose and by right, I mean, that's right for them and for him, then they should do it. If they don't, then they might as well see how the draft works. If they can get a trade on draft night, they have Rose's salary. It's team options decided between the draft and free agency. So they don't have to move him right now. They could let him go. They could trade him down the line. But if they do keep him, then yeah, you're absolutely right, Dirty Dancer. He would be continuous suit. So if he's here, it'd be really interesting. If the Knicks get someone they really like, if they're cool with number one, staying below the tax. Number two, if they're cool going above it, if they would use, rather if they want to be below it, if they'd still use Derek Rose's salary. Because if they did, other dominoes might have to fall. So thank you for that. Junon, thank you so much for the contribution. Salute, Jeremy. Can we talk about the Wizards Pistons first we own and how both those teams, if reports are true, want to improve and could use the rights back to make it easier to do so? So, yes, let's start with the Wizards. The Wizards are obviously focused on trying to win games. It's why they brought back Bradley Beal. It's why they moved Rui Hachimura so they could create space to keep Kyle Kuzma. It's why they have Kristaps Porzingis. They are the type of team where they could sneak in, win a couple playing games, maybe one, if they, depending on where they land, and find a way to get into the playoffs. And in which case, if they did that, then the pick would yield. So if you are the Wizards and you do your best to try to make the playoffs, you could try to ask the Knicks to unprotect the pick, right? Not, I mean, you could do it this year. It doesn't really, it doesn't really help them. Like it could, but like they're, they're dealing with their own luxury tax issues this year. And so I think what would make more sense is next year, if they wanted to really unprotect it, they could. With that said, if they see themselves as a team that is, you know, better than a pick that's protected one through 12, right? Let's say they finish with the 13th, worst record in the NBA. If they feel that they can do that on their own, then they may not want to unprotect the pick. And then the Pistons, Pistons are a different story just because, you know, they're really in the dumps. They are not a good team with Cade Cunningham and they are terrible without him. So they're not going to unprotect it, obviously, this year. Next year, it doesn't really make sense for them. It's almost like kind of playing the... It's like playing a game of risk here, right? Like, do they feel that they're going to... Is there pressure on them to win? That's first First off. I would imagine not, just considering how they still have Kate Cunningham. They still have some nice pieces around it. They'll have a top five pick most likely this year at probably top six or seven at absolute worst, depending on where they finish. So if you are the Pistons, you don't want to really do much with that pick. You probably want to keep it protected. The protections that are in place actually help them. It's really just in a couple of years from now, if they wanted to say, hey, we actually do kind of want to make some moves. But a couple of years from now, they could just write in the language of it to whatever team, if they were to trade a first, we want to trade this first two years after our pick to the Knicks conveys. So 
This is a long-winded way of saying I don't think either of those teams is really eager to switch up the negotiations because it's not really stopping them from a lot because, again, the Wizards can still trade a first-round pick two years out from where the Knicks would do it. And based on where the stipulations are, it's not something that should be a huge issue. Like If you look quickly, the Wizards could effectively trade the 2025 first-round pick. Just as of right now, it would potentially convey a 2028. But they could have in writing, hey, it would just get pushed back further and further. So, yeah, I thank you for the contribution and the question. I don't think that that's something either team is really focused on. And uh, it's something to revisit this summer for sure. Maybe they have different angles then, but probably don't need to. They probably can just stand pat. Uh, Juan Sex Fitty Juan, thank you for the uh, contribution. What's your overall thoughts on Leon and this front office? Did you take them over a Presti, Ainge, or Ujiri? Um, I'll say this. I think that it's very, it's clear what the general objective is. What the Knicks want to do is they want to win, but they also don't want to cap their ceiling. And what that means, sorry, I'm just, uh, if I'm interrupted, it's because of Push notifications. Tis F5 season. Uh, should mention Mark Stein, the Raptors, and Spurs continue to discuss trade scenarios that would land in demand big man Jakob Pearl back to Toronto, league sources say. So I'm going to answer with Ujiri here because that's kind of relevant. Uh, it'll be really fascinating if, this, if the Raptors do that because are they going to try to be buyers? Are they going to buy and sell? Really fascinating. Um, but back to this general m- mindset, you know, if you look at what a lot of the past executives have done, it's really just been, we need to win as soon as possible for one of those years. It was tanking, but the expectation was higher. And there was another year of tanking and the expectation was a lot lower than that. We've, we just haven't seen a front office that has been able to win and also again, raise their ceiling to such degree. And the Knicks walk into this trade deadline with 11 first round picks, three, four protected and seven unprotected of their own. So I think a lot of it has to be, we will see there have been successes and there have been misses, right? Like it's just the nature for most front offices. I think we as fans are zoomed into this one because we're Knicks fans. So we get to focus on that a little bit more. We're a little hypersensitive towards it, but you know, uh, the only thing I would probably push back on, I would not have gone in with getting Derrick Rose that first year. Um, understand why it worked. Happy they made the playoffs. I get it. Based on where they were at, even with the magic of the season, you could potentially be in a better spot right now. It's neither here nor there. In terms of other guys, you know, I mean, like Presti, Ainge, and Ujiri have the track record. Two of those guys have won NBA championships as GM. One of them made it to his teammates, the NBA finals. I, respect is often earned. It's not given. Um, I still respect the process for what this front office has done. I love the fact that they have really data analytically driven people in there. More has to be done. I think we all can agree with that. There's time. There's drafting. Production, all that goes into it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'd say as of right now, they're they're doing a good job. They're not in the upper echelon because that's just 
you got to prove it. But we've seen some of their executives who have been able to do this at a really high level. I mean, it's on record that Brock Aller was a key person for bringing the Cavs to get the, you know, the, um, a TPE with Haywood that then turned into Mozgov that helped them win a championship. You got Walt Perrin where the Jazz didn't win a championship, but they built one of the best teams in the West regular season wise, certainly for a while. So they have people in place who have been at that top level. They're supporting Leon. Leon, of course, does not have the prior basketball front office experience, but you would hope that combining a lot of these different things that everyone can kind of accentuate their strengths and mitigate their areas of development. So I'd say very content with where this direction is with this front office. We'll see as they move moving forward, but those guys, they're some of the best and most revered for a reason. Scott Stern, I've been wondering, is GMAC tall or is Macri short? Uh, the answer to that question, Scott, is yes. Both. That's as Andrew says. Andrew is a tall fellow. Yes, I can vouch. I've met him several times in person. So thank you for that one. <laughs> Darren Hood, I have a question, Jeremy. What do you think? What do you think the Knicks will do with Reddish, Rose, Fournier, and Toppin at the trade deadline? Well, with Reddish, I think they have to trade him. They just do. Um, and listen, we're going to get to a point tomorrow by 3.01 p.m. at the latest, right? Unless a trade happened and we just didn't hear about it. So, all right, let's say, let's call it 3.10, 3.15 just to be comfortable. There will be two different arguments at play. One will be oh my God, I can't believe that the Knicks went through the process, traded for Cam Reddish, and that's all they got back, which we know if they trade him, they're not going to get much back for him. And there's the other part of, oh my God, the Knicks traded all this for Cam Reddish and they didn't get anything back because they didn't trade him. I think they're going to trade him, folks. If they didn't, that would be a massive issue. The fact that they wouldn't be able to get anything for him. And it's, of course, we see there are teams interested. It's a matter of what, what what comes back it has to be the right package. What the right package is depends on other moves. Less about the draft equity, but that's a part of it. You know, if you're the Knicks, you you want something small back. In terms of with Rose, there's not a need to move him. If you can move him, great. If it's in the right deal, perfect. If you can't, you don't have to move him. You can figure it out in the summer, like I mentioned, or you can just cut him loose. I'm not saying cut him loose right now. I think you'd cut him loose in the summer with Fournier, the Knicks have been adamant about not attaching any assets to move him. And that's the right call. It's not working out. That's okay. He's not actively hurting you by being out of the rotation. And he had a hell of a week last week. So he was actually helping the Knicks, which is nice. So you could have worse depth than that. And then there's Obi who, again, if the Knicks are going to go with this coach who wants 48 minutes of rim protection, who nine times out of 10, it seems, does not like to go small, although we certainly have seen some adjustments at times, which is nice. That's why I said nine times out of 10. Then you're kind of boxing Obi in to a role that I just feel like he's he's better suited for in other ways. He doesn't need to you know, still be earning 12, 14 minutes a game. And I just wish that he could have the opportunity, but it's not going to be here, whether it's now or in the future, assuming everyone's healthy. And the player that's ahead of him is an all-star for the second year in three years. And it's just the way it is. So 
we can talk about the merits of having Tom Thibodeau coaching this team or not. It's an important conversation. At the end of the day, the Knicks are not going to move on from Tibbs, at least certainly not this year and not, I would imagine, if they make the playoffs. So it's really about finding a right place for Obi, finding a place where he can actually thrive. And the one thing I'll say here, the Knicks have every year, at least at the deadline, and granted, there have only been two deadlines, but they've they've really done this. They've only added. They haven't subtracted, right? So I don't see them trading Obi for draft equity or, you know, whatever. That's someone who doesn't help them right now. If they'd have to make another move, right? Maybe they do that, but then still get someone who can help them win games. But they're not going to subtract in a way where they're left being like, well, how do we fill these minutes? We don't have anyone who can do it. Just has to be the right deal. I don't think that means Obi's destined to be gone. Like I've said, I would like to see him moved if he can't get a larger role here. And I don't see how it would work. But that means you need to bring someone in who can give you productive minutes because he can still give you productive minutes. It's just in a shorter period of time. So in terms of what I think they'll do, I think they will move Reddish, the right deal. They will move all three. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, it's kind of an, you know, it's a safe answer. I'm not being bold with that, right? Like that's probably the chalk answer most would say. But in order to move one of those three guys, there needs to be, at least with certainly with Obi, someone who's really good or just capable of being in the rotation coming back. That's the one stipulation I will have. Junon, thank you again for the contribution. Your thoughts on Jay Sean Tate? Would he crack the rotation? Also, Jalen Suggs, diet Josh Hart, worth a look if we can't nab Hart. No, I don't have a ton of thoughts on Tate, to be quite honest with you, just because I haven't been following him as much as I have with other players. Um, you know, the Rockets are in such an odd spot where they're like, they seem to be at this point where they feel like they can afford to raise the price for all these guys. I don't believe Tate is even a free agent. So it's not like there's much of a need to move him. So they could wait to do it. Uh, in terms of Suggs, you know, I mean, he's, I just don't really understand from the Knicks point of view where that might fit in. Like to me, lead ball handler isn't really an issue. Um, and that's really what Suggs would be doing. He'd be taking the backup point guard spot minutes. I'd really just, I'd rather keep what's here than offer assets to go after Suggs. It's it's just not really a priority for where the Knicks are at. If he were more of a wing, then maybe, but also if you're more of a wing, if you're the magic, are you, you know, is there a reason you're moving him? They don't really need a ton more draft capital, right? They've got their own pick this year, likely have the uh, Bulls pick this year too. They've got a Nuggets pick coming up in a couple of years. So then kind of just bide their time, see how it feels. I do agree there is a bit of a um, a glut there. What with him and Cole Anthony, uh, Markel Fultz, any of these guys who's starting there. So if I'm Orlando, I probably don't move him right now. And if if I'm Orlando, I probably want to move him for something that's solid. Even though he's maybe not been the best, you still get over two years of team control. And I think it's just more than the Knicks are probably comfortable with doing. And if that's the case, I would agree with that just because I don't, I don't think that he's the type of guy which they should go for right now. I think they should be more focused on someone of the wing who can provide defense. Doesn't have to be OG and Anobi. I mean, the Josh Hart archetype 
is perfect. Um, minus, you know, a few details here and there. It's more the contract stuff that I get uh, curious about, but from a fit standpoint, he's, he's on top. He's on target. So uh, yeah, don't uh, Tate would be under the radar. I, I like it, but it just, I don't think that's where Houston's head is at and Suggs. I just don't think he gets moved, but thank you for the contribution and the questions. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? 
This new year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add ons. Looking to cut back on take? out get factor instead not only is factor cheaper but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery just two minutes also eating vegan or veggie is a snap with factor each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't and if you're looking to mix it up you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week get factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle simply choose and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door don't hesitate head to factormeals.com slash film school 50 and use the code film school 50 to get 50 percent off your first box again that's factormeals.com slash film school 50 to get 50 percent off your first box factor america's number one ready to eat meal kit mike boy could bones and iq be viable on the same roster Potentially, you know, I mean, the question I keep having with Bones is if there was a report that he didn't really, he didn't, Mike Malone's coaching style wasn't really for him. If that report's accurate, Mike Malone is more of a hard-nosed coach, came up through, you know, 90s basketball and, and the Knicks and everything. I don't see how it would work with Tibbs. I just think he would struggle. I think that Bones needs a coach who's a little bit probably younger, maybe a little bit looser. So yeah, I mean, could they fit together? Potentially. I just, if bones is struggling in Denver and they're winning, I don't know if it's going to fly here. And uh, I got to tell you, after watching the Cam Reddish experience, now bones is a better player than Cam Reddish has shown. Don't really want to tinker with the idea of, does he have the the fire in the belly to to be competitive with this team with Tibbs coaching? That's my two cents. Darth Nix. Hey, Jeremy, if Obi gets moved, what do the Knicks do with the backup four spot? Go back to iHeart Sims duo. This is a good question. I, I think it really depends on if, like I said, if you're moving Obi, you have to move him with a rotation player in mind. Say it's a wing. If I'm the Knicks, what I do is I probably try to sub RJ out early. And let's say this wing is for the hell of it. Let's say it's it's like a Hart or Ananobi type. Sub out RJ early. And then I bring Grimes in. And then I probably eventually get to IQ. And then I get RJ to check back in start of the second quarter as the four. Because RJ can play the four. You give him five minutes at the four, and I think it works. And I mean that, but like five minutes per half, so to speak, 
Maybe you can find a way to shift them down, do whatever. That's probably the workaround solution. I mean, the other solution would be if you get a four in return, has to fit. Not quite sure if that's the case. Like again, if it's Ananobi and the salary works out that you actually need to take on another player, like Juancho, Juancho Hernan Gomez, if Bo Cruz is here, are you getting, is he in the rotation? Are you getting 10 minutes a game from him, even though he's kind of been on the outside looking in uh, when everyone's healthy, I believe. So that's certainly one option. I'm sure there are going to be people who would like Carmelo Anthony to fill that role. Not crazy about that option, just based on the way the team is, is operating. It just does not seem like the flawless fit that could be there. So, but you got to do something. And yeah, I mean, I think that iHeart Sims would be probably a last resort, like a break glass in case of emergency. It struggled, but we know how good it was on the rebounding. And we know that the Knicks won, what, eight games in a row while it was playing? Has its flaws, though. So I think the front office is going to try to find a way, if they do trade Obi and they get an impact player, to do something where they don't have to resort to that. That they can, it's really just a last resort thing. It's probably where I see it. Sean Hardy. What's up, Sean? Hi, Jeremy. One TLT. I, man, I'm actually, I'm blanking on what that acronym would be. Uh, first time, long time. That would be it. First time, long time. I, you know, it's funny. I've never seen it as an acronym. The more you know. Thank you, Sean. Hi, Jeremy. First time, long time. Besides Cam, please rate the following players on a scale of one to 10, the likelihood that they will be traded tomorrow. Oh, 10 equals they're gone. Sean, you're killing me here. Uh, OB, Evan Rose, RJ Grimes, IQ. Okay. So I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, I'm going to say IQ. Say he's a one. Just the way that he... And, and listen, if any of these players get traded that I say, I don't think they'll get traded or uh, don't get traded. And I think they will. Uh, you can blame me. Fine. Go for it. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> so IQ, I'll say one. I just think that they love him. I think there was a point in time where they really did wonder, is he someone that we could work with long-term? And while a lot of us fans felt, yeah, he's, there's more here. Like he's missing shots, but there's a, if you look past that, there's a ton there. And, and to IQ's credit, to the coaching staff's credit, he blossomed in a way that I think you just can't move him. Can't move him now. And I'm going to give Grimes a two. Um, maybe one and a half. I don't know. It's just more in the sense of if they did get someone, would it make sense? Like if they got a wing because they're pushing him back, does that cause any issue? I think just from a outside looking in, there's no shame in playing behind someone who is a better player if you're Quentin Grimes. The question, of course, is are they getting a player who's better than Quentin Grimes? If they are not getting a player who's better than Quentin Grimes, then I think there is an issue there. And if they are, then there shouldn't be an issue. So I'll go with that. With RJ, I'm going to go back to a one. And the reason I'm going to go to a one is because the poison pill just makes it difficult. I know that there are some out there who will talk about, oh, well, you do OG for RJ. You're, you know, it's close enough where you can get there move out player like Sfi Raptors move a minimum player. They both go to another team or other teams. I just don't see it. I, I really don't. I think that again, the reason that the Knicks signed RJ 
was they didn't want to have to deal with any, where's he going to sign this summer? Uh, what are we going to do in terms of if we need to do a sign and trade? How much does he need? Like it, all those lingering questions there kaput, which is great. And there's no rush to move him. And also you still have four years after this of team control. We're still talking about a player who's, I mean, again, he's, he's got his warts this season, but he's, he's still progressing and he's still adding winning basketball at times and not just every now and then, like it still happens at a nice level. So I'm going to go with a one for him. Rose. I'll say, I'll give it a soft four, right? Like again, in the right, like the bucks, they, it was reported by Mark Stein last night. Bucks are interested in Derrick Rose. And um, we're talking about this during the playback game where it just didn't really pass the smell test. And like, it's, it's great that they're interested, but is that more of a buyout interest? Because the salary that would be going out, like, is it definitely Grayson Allen? Cause it's not Bobby Portis and it's not Brooke Lopez. And, you know, I mean, they're, it's probably not, Connaughton, you could get there with Ingles and some other salary, but it just doesn't it just doesn't pass the smell test. So maybe they were interested in the buyout. I didn't read the article, to be quite honest, as I am not subbed to Mark Stein. I'll go with a four. Evan, I will go with um I'll go with a three. Right? I'll go with a three just based on the fact that. I think some team is going to try to exploit the Knicks to get Evan off their hands and the Knicks just aren't going to care. Evan signed a contract. He's going to fulfill that contract. The Knicks don't need to hurt themselves more, right? Like when the Knicks signed Joakim Noah and that was a terrible move, the Knicks hurt themselves by stretching his contract. They didn't have to do that. The Knicks obviously aren't going to stretch Evan Fournier's deal, but the whole point being there's no reason to handicap yourself if you can avoid it. You don't have to do it. And I think that unless there's the right deal, the Knicks won't do it. And if there's no right deal, then they shouldn't do it. So there's that. And then lastly, with Obi, um, considering I feel like he's the most likely to move out of all of them, I will say six. But again, I need something of quality to come back. I need a player who can be in the rotation, who is quality to be there in order for me to feel comfortable with Obi leaving this season. So I'll go with that. I guess, respectively, what did I say? Six, three, four, one, one and a half, one, I think is what I said with Obi, Evan, Rose, RJ, Grimes, IQ in that order. So Sean, thank you for the very difficult question that I'm sure uh, won't cause people to be mad at me whatsoever. So thanks. Fargo Tufo question. Do you see a deal where we can turn three of our first round picks into nine future protected first round picks? Oh man. Uh, no, I don't respectfully. I don't, I, I would, that'd be chaos. Like I'm, I'm all here for it. Cause that would just be crazy, but I just, I don't think that's the case. I think if you're the Knicks, you're probably looking to consolidate your protected picks as opposed to creating more of them. It's quality versus quantity too, right? Like, are they... I see the Wizards pick as a good pick. The nice thing is, I don't think it's going to convey this year. It might convey next year. Pretty good chance if it doesn't convey next year, it conveys the year after that. Um, Okay. I'm getting a message. He's kidding. Haha, I have a new question ready. Fargo Tufo, let me redo that. Question, do you see a deal where we can turn three of our first round picks into nine future protected first round picks? Absolutely. 
I can totally see it. I mean, you can never have enough first round picks, right? Doesn't matter. You just, you got to bring them in. I'm with you. Let's find a way. Let's do it. So thank you. Dirty Dancer. Are you okay with trading unprotected picks as long as convert quickly, uh, as, as long as they convert quickly, or is there a no-go for any non-superstar? I, I feel very uneasy at the idea of trading unprotected first-round picks where the Knicks are at this stage, period. Future unprotected first, I'm very much uncomfortable with. I could live with a 2023 Knicks unprotected first-round pick going out but that would mean that the Mavs pick has to stay. Um, and it would also mean that there's probably less on the table otherwise, because yeah, if you, if you're offering unprotected first, you're getting someone that you like, right? You're not trading it for someone that you don't see to be a fit. You at least have coverage with that Mavs pick. The issue is let's say the Mavs implode and now you've traded the unprotected first and you also don't get the wizards pick to convey you now have gone from two, maybe three first round picks this year to zero. So that's where my limit, my, my hesitation really is. So I'd say no. In general, I'm really not comfortable with it at this point in time. I think that you have enough good assets in terms of the first round picks, if you're the Knicks, to get a player like OG Ananobi, who, uh, as I wrote about in an article for the Strickland, like, that's the tier of guy that you use your protected picks for. If it's over that, that's where the unprotected picks come into play. You know, don't see Durant going to the Knicks. If he requests a trade, I don't see Siakam being a fit because they like, uh, they like Randall. I think they're going to just stick with him. So at least for the time being. So I don't, I wouldn't put unprotected picks on the table. No. Justin Schwender uh, have been kind of relying on that Brock Aller knows what he's doing with reconstructing the books, but wanted to know your thoughts. Um, I'm trying to think of reconstructing the books here. So yeah, I mean a lot of it, right. I've talked about 2024 cap space in the past. The reason you reset it is probably for a player like Ananobi. It's a little bit trickier to get star talent doing it that way just based on your other contract commitments you can get there but it's not it's not the easiest right like there's some work to be done so i guess you know and like for me it's really just finding a way to consolidate because the knicks have a lot of good players they have a lot of rotation players. Uh, apparently, this is a two-parter. Andrew's saying he missed part one. Andrew, let's start part one. Perfect. Question. The Knicks have seemed to rush some solid talent out the door due to pending contract extensions. OB, Cam, at one point, IQ. Does it make sense to construct their salary books like this? Okay. Now this... Can we go back to the first one? Because then it would make sense to for the reconstructing part. Thank you, Andrew. Yes. Um, well, again, there with, with IQ and with OB it's been clear they've just been listening, right? Like they, they're interested. They just want to know what the market's like for these guys. And every front office should be finding out what the players on their team's value is. So Larry Nance Jr. talked about it. It's a value league. There's other teams value in some way or another. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's really rushing it out the door. I think the Knicks really have just, they've been trying to find what they did was they they recognized 
going into their first year that there was not good. There's, there's just overall bad young talent. You had RJ Barrett after year one, it was a rough year. You didn't have a whole lot else to work with, right? You had Knox, you had Frank, uh, you DSJ. So what the Knicks felt was, okay, we want to win, but we also need to add veterans. They're placeholders. They will come up the ranks. Of course, there was a point last year where the younger players had more energy than the older players. And that caused an issue. Um, but it's not like it, it's kind of like the rollover time. It's that's why I've, I've felt it's like the awkward teenage years. I don't know if they're really rushing, you know, them out the door to the contract situation. But with that said, unfortunately it does have an impact, right? Like if the Knicks wanted cap space, Obi Toppin having a $20 million cap hold, it's a lot. And they could come to terms with Obi on a deal. That's a lot less than that. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's $12 million a year. I don't really know, but it just kind of gums up the works. So the way that the Knicks see it is we like the players we have, but if they are stopping us from getting something that's larger, then that's important. And there's a reason why they needed to be moved. And you could continue to soup a lot of these guys as well, which is important, but you probably can't continue to soup them. For example, like if the Knicks wanted Ananobi and they wanted to go after him in free agency, they have trouble souping him or the other players. So that's why then they consider trading for him because then they don't have to worry about, okay, we traded this player to create cap space for someone who may or may not be here. It's a lot harder to work. So it's why I think that the viable path, if, if the Knicks are really set on having him trading for him makes more sense than creating cap space because it creates other issues. But that would be an example of rushing talent out the door. In my opinion, if they tried to go the cap space route, Versus try to trade for him if they really want him. If they want him in the door, then it would mean rushing the process for other guys. So I think that what Aller is trying to do is he does want to stay over the cap. That's probably his preference. But in the event that he can't get Ananobi, and listen, maybe there's another player. We could talk about that. We'll see after the deadline if that's a relevant conversation. But it seems as though like that would be reconstructing the books. It'd be moving heaven and earth to try to get someone like Ananobi later when you could just get him in the door now and keep chugging along and you don't have to worry as much about what the next steps in the process are. So uh, I appreciate the two-part question. Thank you. Definitely relevant with everything going on. Pastor Claudio's Obi Hive is the RJ poison pill actually impossible to move before the summer? Not impossible. Definitely not. It's just tricky based on how the math shakes out. You need to find the right salary, the right player, the right matching partners, the right assets. It's just, it's a lot. And I just don't think there's a need to move RJ. It's really just about like, like to me, I value RJ Barrett more than I value three protected first round picks. I just do. I think, both in terms of the talent he provides, but also potentially more importantly, the salary. And we could talk about what's well, like, okay, well, if you traded RJ for someone like Ananobi, you could still find the salary in other ways, right? Like you could theoretically keep Obi, keep IQ, all these other players. But then when we're talking about a star trade, it's, it's difficult because then there's like, well, what salary do the Knicks feel comfortable giving up that doesn't completely hurt them? And that's where the issue is. That's why 
You should take the spare parts that you have and try to consolidate them into something that's quality and then quality into something that's really good, which is why I still maintain the, the mindset of the Knicks look to find someone for a player like Cam Reddish. Maybe it's Obi Toppin. I don't really know, but like that mindset of let's get one of these guys out, maybe two, whatever. Let's take that piece. Let's add it to some of the other pieces we have. And then let's get something that's really better. And we're turning quantity into quality. That's the mindset that it would be. And I think with RJ, if you get rid of him this year, you're hurting yourself down the line. Because I think there's a legitimate argument that what we saw this past summer, the Knicks saw RJ Barrett as a player who could be part of a package with IQ and unprotected picks that gets them Donovan Mitchell or gets them a star. And I don't think that's going to change. And I think it's only going to benefit them as these other players' salaries get larger, right? Like Donovan Mitchell's salary is pretty affordable for the next three years, but there are other guys who have signed super maxes or who are just on larger contracts where you actually need RJ's 25 plus million dollars to help make the math work. So that's why it's not impossible. It is possible. I just wouldn't do it. I think there is a a cleaner path in the future using RJ if he is the guy you're shipping out than by getting rid of him now. Ben Kim Gurvey. Hey, Jeremy. Do you think the upcoming CBA negotiations are changing the value of trade pieces slash assets and increasing uncertainty, making trading more difficult? I. It's a great question. It's tough for me to answer. I don't know a lot of the specifics that are going on in terms of the CBA, but I think that, yes, uh, there is one possibility. Maybe, maybe they finally find a way to get rid of the 120% max extension that has been plaguing a lot of these teams, right? Like if you think about it, you can extend a rookie after his fourth year or actually after his third year, entering his fourth year, first round pick to a contract that is, however much, right? It doesn't have to be 120% of what that contract is. But you can't do it for a veteran uh, from his second deal to his third deal. It's a little mind-boggling. I don't, I don't fully understand the logic there. I'm guessing that teams also don't like it because I guarantee you a team like Portland, Jeremy Grant hasn't signed the max extension he has. This summer, the max extension he could be offered is a lot larger. Portland would probably love to have him under contract. It would take a lot of the stress out of will he or won't he leave. That would be a sticking point, right? Because if Ananobi is, if, there, if that's the concern of, well, he's leaving. Well, how do you get him to not leave? You pay him before he has the opportunity to go. But then if you're the Raptors and you know that this is a situation where, no, you can do that, kind of crushes the Knicks point of view from like, oh, well, we need reassurance that he's not going to leave and we can't get that right now. So we don't want to have to pay for it. So it, it could change the value in terms of how these players are, because right now, Ananobi is guaranteed to opt out. The only thing that would change that is probably injury and knock on wood that he does not get injured for his own sake. But as an asset, yes, it would change if you could just walk away with him. And I think for a lot of these teams, they would have the, they, they would probably pay more knowing that they could negotiate a larger contract right away, especially with extended signs uh, or extended trades, excuse me, which really haven't happened since the Carmelo Anthony trade the Knicks made. 
So uh, yeah, I think it would be, it, it would affect the assets in trades hundred percent, Ben. Um, all right. Just a quick update in terms of uh, some notifications that we got. Apparently, Woj is saying the framework is well put together for the three-team deal involving the Wolves, the Jazz, and the Lakers. Minnesota is holding out for more draft comp. Um, yep, that was mentioned as before, so nothing new on that front. And then Mark Stein, Boston and Toronto have been the most frequently cited Pirtle trade suitor. And as noted in my last Around the League piece earlier today, Washington has also shown interest. Pearl's fascinating just because I don't, I don't like I understand with Boston, but he's not going to stick around and be off the bench. Robert Williams isn't going to want to be off the bench. You can't play them together. So I wonder what the long-term goal there is, but Toronto makes a lot of sense. They don't have a center. So I would get that, but we'll see. Nicholas Roberts, thank you for the super chat contribution. THG part three, THJ, excuse me, THJ part three, Evan and their pickback. Uh, it's gonna be a hard no for me. Um, it'd be hilarious, it'd be absolutely hilarious if Tim Hardaway Jr. found his way onto this team again. It'd be even funnier if the Knicks found a way to flip him before his contract ended. But He's a worse contract. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract is worse than Evan Fournier's, to be clear. There's there's the extra guaranteed year. That hurts a lot. So the Knicks wouldn't be the ones giving up the pick to make it work. It would be the, the Mavs who would have to incentivize the Knicks if they wanted to switch it up. And I don't see the Mavs doing it. Their assets are very few and far between. I don't even think they have a second round pick that they can trade right now uh i'm just gonna look very quickly at it. yeah they they don't have it uh the only way they'd be able to get it is if uh <laughs> if they renegotiated the pick that the knicks have because it could convert to a second round pick in 2025 uh if they said no no, no we, we scratched that unprotect the pick this year but it doesn't make sense for them to do it so yeah uh hard pass on this one I'm afraid it would be hilarious as mentioned, but I've had my fill of Tim Hardaway Jr. All right. What do we got? Although I do like the fact that this, yes. What's up? Yeah, no, give me a second. The question, the, the chat jumped on me, so I'm looking for oh, it. Oh, here good. we go. I found it now. Okay. Matthew Weinstein. Hey, Jeremy, how are your plants doing? Your pothos looks like it is flourishing with all the good Nick's vibes. Well, First of all, Matthew, you are 100% right. Uh, Pothos has been doing great. Really been thriving. I get some nice light in this room, so it's perfect. Very happy. I appreciate it. The ZZ plant, actually, I feel like as basketball fans, you would appreciate this. I like to name my plants. ZZ plant behind me. I named it Zaza. uh, No, I I named it ZZ Pachulia. You know, hasn't stepped on any ankles yet, which is great. Really happy about that. Um, I've got another plant over there. The name of the plant escapes me, but you know, I believe that, you know, happy wife, happy life, um, happy plants, happy life, happy life, happy plants. Either way, talk to them, make them feel loved, give them that positive reinforcement they need, give them the agua that they need. They're happy. And with everything going on with the Knicks, it's just more, it's more happy talk. You know, when I'm in this room, I either work during my day job or I do this and the day job's happy. I'm happy doing this. Knicks are happy. Things are great. So a lot of positivity, a lot of vibes in this room. 
So you're 100% right, Matthew. The Pathos is doing great. Thank you very much. Uh, yep. Ben, uh, Kim Gurvey, happy plants, happy pants. That's 100% it. Um, pants are thrilled. They're, they're, they're over the moon, so to speak. Um, and then Efrain Lopez, what's your final prediction and hope? Don't be afraid to dream big. Okay, let's think about this. Um, world peace. World peace is a big one. Um, I'd say... That's a great question. Oh, you mean basketball? Okay. Um, Basketball-wise, for the Knicks, I would say my final prediction is that the Knicks move Cam Reddish to... Move him to the Cavs. Say it. You know, I think that there's something to be said of the agency, Cam's clutch. Um, you also have Garland, who's clutch. Representation there matters. Uh, conveniently, also, I think the Knicks would want to move Cam to a team where he feels happy because uh, I don't know if you know this, guys. OG and Anobi are the same agent. Just, just interesting thought, but for whatever it's worth. I'm going to say that I'm going to say that they get back Osman or Windler and a second round pick. And then I still look, I still really want them to take that salary and another salary that gets them, you know, someone who's more on the outside looking in and adding picks to get Ananobi. I just, I think he's a really good player. He's not going to answer a lot of what the Knicks need, but He's going to fit the kind of big wing, versatile defensive archetype that the Knicks were hoping maybe Cam could be. Or if they didn't think that that's what Cam could be, that he was and that Cam was kind of like a, a piece of it all where he essentially turned from one thing into another into what eventually becomes a player like OG Ananobi. I don't really know. But that's at least my hope. My prediction is that it's just Cam on the way out. The Knicks tried to get these deals done. It's just too expensive, right? It's too expensive to the point where they say, and Fred Katz talked about this on the pod with John, where he was talking about the Denver and Washington trade with KCP, where they tried to get a deal done at the deadline. Didn't work, but the framework was there. So they did it over the summer. So I'm hopeful that the conversations the Knicks have with these other teams is at least productive so that if it doesn't work out, it works out over the summer and they can get something done that way. So. My hope, is, my hope is basically the prediction plus the Knicks finding a way to get OG and Obi. I would imagine that maybe Obi is on the way out if that's the case. Tricky, obviously, for reasons I've stated. Be bittersweet. I'd be happy for him, but also disappointed in terms of how it all worked out. And uh, yeah, so I'll go with with the hope being the money that's going out. If you add Obi with a third team. It's two protected first round picks and, uh, and the Knicks get a, you know, hopefully two playoff runs out of OG and Obi, and they keep building from there. And, uh, I also hope for a stress-free day tomorrow, you know, just as stress-free as possible. And that's not going to happen. So, uh, but I can, I can hope for it. Right. But my prediction is it won't be the case. So, uh, thank you for that. Thank you all for the questions as I, I believe Andrew, that, I believe that's the last one of the night. Uh, yes, it is. All right. So thank you for tuning in tonight. Remember to like the video and subscribe to the channel. 
I will see you live tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for, for the trade deadline live stream uh, with me, with Jonathan Macri, with Andrew Claudio, and hopefully with all of you. Be a lot of fun. So, uh, again, deep breaths. We're all going to be fine. And if we're not fine, I'll be here to either be upset or say it in a rational way that hopefully makes you feel okay. I will try to be your therapist and guide you through this process. So uh, thank you again. See you tomorrow. Get good night's sleep. Let's go next.